Good morning again. If you'll open your Bible to Mark chapter 6, that's where we're going to be for just a few minutes. Mark chapter 6. Well, uh, in, in our series in Mark, we've been talking about what it means to leave our mark. It's a play on words. Jesus left his mark by the way that he lived his life. The author of the book left his mark by telling us the story of Jesus. And we leave our mark on people as we live like Jesus and demonstrate the love of Jesus to all those that, um, that we come in contact with. Well, you can see the, uh, the title of the message today is The Struggle is Real. Now, who's heard that phrase before? Who has used that phrase before? Yeah, yeah, lots of us have. And, you know, it's not quite as serious as it sounds. In fact, uh, Urban Dictionary says, The struggle is real is a generally ironic saying that is often used in the place of saying first world problems. You know, like we have problems in the first world that are really insignificant compared to the rest of the world. But he sa- it says that it denotes a situation where the user wishes to express that they are entering some sort of undesirable difficulty, but dealing with it. With irony, it has a comical effect of dramatizing a non-critical yet understandable situation. So we use that. We say the struggle is real. Okay, I was struggling this morning. I'm tired. As you know, I've been sick for a few weeks, and I got dressed, and I was just like, man... I am too tired to tuck my shirt tail in today. I told him, I said, the struggle is real. So I'm going to leave it out. Okay? Another is like, you know, my Netflix is out, so I got to watch regular TV. You know, I mean, the struggle is, the struggle is real. But here's a few others. Okay? Toddler life. The struggle's real. If you've ever raised a toddler, you know that struggle is real. Okay, if you watched us deal with Miles as a toddler, you know the struggle's real. We were talking about it last night with our friends that were, were sitting right here. They're in town for a, for a soccer tournament and had to go to another game. But uh, we were talking about how many times Bethany would get Miles ready for church. And then she'd go get herself ready. And he'd climb up on the sink, fill it up with, sink, with water and sit down in the sink before church fully clothed, like over and over again. She had to do it, okay? And so if you've raised a toddler, Angie knows what I'm talking about. She knows what I'm talking about. If you've raised a toddler, you know the struggle's real, amen? Right. Then there's this one, back to school, man. The struggle is real. That applies to our house, too, okay? It has been tough motivating our kids to get back in the school mode. Okay, and then there's this one. Yeah, man, that struggle is real right there. No windshield wipers. He's got like a broom trying to trying to keep the water off the windshield. But we uh, you know, we 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 get it. Okay, we get it. We understand what that's like. And, you know, those are funny. But in truth, there are real struggles that we face every single day. Right. Every single day. I mean, who doesn't worry about their family? Who doesn't worry about their finances? Okay? Who doesn't worry about issues 
at work or dealing with a, a, a co-worker. Okay? We all know people, or, or maybe are people, who are dealing with sickness, families that are breaking down or breaking up, people who are struggling with addiction, with temptation, with depression, or any other mental illness, okay? There is no one here for whom the struggle isn't really real. Am I right? The point is, Jesus understands that. He understands that the struggle is real and that he joins us in the midst of, in the midst of our struggle. Now today, I'm going to use a different version. I'm going to use the message which is not my typical version that I, I prefer to preach from, but I just liked the way it read today. And I've got all the verses on the screen, so if you don't have a copy of the message, then it'll be up here. But I just like the way Eugene uh, Peterson translates uh, this particular passage. So starting in verse 45, <clears throat> remember this is on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. The disciples have been out. They have been ministering uh, under the authority and the power of Jesus. They've healed. They've preached. They've done all this good stuff. They've come back. They've reported to them. Jesus is going to go send them off for a respite when all of a sudden this mob of people shows up. And Jesus is like, hold on, boys. We got more work to do. And they feed 5,000 people. That's what we saw last week. Okay. Now it says, as soon as the meal was finished, Jesus insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on across to Bethsaida while he dismissed the congregation. And then notice the end of verse 46. After sending them off, he climbed a mountain to pray. Now then, there's a couple of important things that Jesus does here. Okay? The first is that he recognizes the need for his disciples to get away. Uh, you know, their break had been cut short and so he recognizes these guys have got to have some downtime okay they've got to get away so we go ahead hey you guys go i'm going to wrap this up okay you go ahead and go and the second thing that we see is that jesus also needed to reconnect with his father and pray okay so there's an important lesson there's an important lesson that we we learn and it's simply this that it is important to recognize our own need to reconnect with God. Does that make sense? But that's tough, isn't it? It's tough because what do we typically do? We burn both ends of the candle all the time, do we not? We're constantly going, we're constantly on the move. We have so much to do, so much to keep up with, so much to accomplish that we can absolutely exhaust ourselves. You know, you ever heard somebody say, you know, I, I really, I need to rest, but I just don't have the time. You know, the struggle's real. But that's also a sure sign of pre-burnout. And it's also an indicator that it's time to create some margin in your life. Time to reprioritize, okay? To get away from whatever it is to get away and spend time with God, okay? Because if we don't, we're going to burn ourselves out, okay? We will wear ourselves thin. We will be spiritually drained, okay? And, and often, 
If you wonder why you're feeling spiritually drained, even though you might be active in church and you worship and you do all this stuff and you serve, those things are great. But if you don't have margin where it's just you and God alone outside of church, then you're not having a Sabbath with yourself. Okay, and you'll burn yourself out. So it's important for us to recognize our own need to reconnect with God, just like, just like Jesus did. It goes on in verse 47. It says, late at night, the boat was far out at sea. Jesus was still by himself on land. He could see his men, and notice the word there, struggling. Struggling with the oars, the wind having come up against them. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. He intended, he intended to go right by them. And that's, that's a strange verse to me. Okay, he's up on the mountain, he's been praying, it's four o'clock in the morning. Okay, he looks out and he sees his guys and they're struggling because there's wind. There's a windstorm that's, that's making it difficult for them to row. They're struggling against this wind and Jesus just goes walking on the water okay and not only walking on the water he's going to walk right by those guys okay that's his intention the question is why why did Jesus intend to to pass them by there's you know there's been lots of suggestions for why that is you know why did Jesus pass by was it to surprise them you know they get to the other side and they land they're like hey surprise it's me i'm here you know i don't really think that was it the second answer was he racing them (laughs) you know beat you was that his goal no i don't think that was it okay this one's got a little more merit was he was he trying to test them okay maybe but i still think that that answer fails a little bit. I don't, I don't think any of those are, are offer us a really, really good explanation as to why Jesus was intent on walking right by them while they're struggling with the wind in this boat. But I think if we step back and we take the long view of our scriptures and we look back into the Old Testament, we can find an answer. Remember, Back in the book of Exodus, chapter 33 and and 34. Moses is talking to God, one of the few people that ever got to do that, to converse with God, and God respond back audibly. But he's talking with God, and he asks God to reveal his glory. And God agrees. But God said, for me to do this, I'm going to have to tuck you in the cleft of the rock. You, ever, you know the songs we used to sing that sing about the cleft of the rock? That's where that comes from. God had to tuck Moses in the cleft of the rock. He said, then I'm going to pass by, but all you're going to see is what? My back. That's it. All you're going to see is my back because any person that looks on my face cannot live. Okay? So he tucks Moses he tucks Moses in the rock, and then he goes passing by. So why did Jesus intend 
to pass by. Well, here's what I think the reason is. He was intending to reveal his divine identity and assure them of who he really is. He is revealing his divinity to him. To show them that while God the Father cannot be seen in this way, that Jesus as God can and will be seen. It's meant to be an assurance of faith for the apostles, but they missed the point. The one who comes to them walking on the sea is not just a, a new Moses, but he's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh and they can see him. They can look upon his face. They're not going to die because they realize that this is Jesus. Or at least that's what they should realize. That this is God become man, come to earth for the sake of all humanity. And of course, they absolutely miss the point. But Mark gives us the reaction, and it's this right here. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they screamed, scared out of their wits. Now then, in their defense, we'd do the same thing. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, when was the last time you were out on a boat and somebody just went walking by on top of the water? Anybody had that experience? If you do, then come see me afterwards. I really have a few questions for you. Okay? But, I mean, it just, it, it does not, that doesn't happen. They're scared out of their minds, and we can completely understand why. We, we get it. Okay? We, we understand that that just does not happen. As a matter of fact, there was a, a local legend in this time that if you were a fisherman and you saw a ghost while you were out at sea, that that was an omen that you were about to drown. Okay? So it's no wonder that they're freaking out. Okay? They're out there on the water. They're struggling. Okay? Here comes Jesus just cruising by, trying to reveal to him his true identity and assure him of who he is, yet they miss it. They get scared. They think, they think that it is a ghost. Now then, watch, watch verse 50. And 51, Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. And as soon as he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. He wants to further reveal himself to them. But they're too afraid. And so what Jesus does is he joins them in the midst of their struggle. Okay, and I think, I think that we're meant to hear another I am statement from Jesus. Okay, they don't want to know who it is. And he says, it's, it's me. It's I. Okay, I am the one who not only calms the storm, I'm the one that, I'm the one that tramples over the waves. So take heart, take courage, because it is me. And that's another there's another lesson that we gain from this, and it's this, that Jesus joins us in the midst of our struggles. Who among us does not have a struggle that they're dealing with right now? Do we not all have struggles? Do we not all have pain and hurt? Do we not deal with doubt sometimes? Do we not have 
fear? Do we not have anger? Okay, do we not deal with stuff like we're talking about on Wednesday night with, with mental illness or, or physical illness? Okay, all of us have struggles, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be spiritual, whether it be within our family or on our jobs with a coworker, with a friend or a neighbor. All of us have struggles and Jesus joins us in the midst of those struggles. And that's good news. Jesus does that for us. He comes alongside us. And just as his word says, he will never leave, forsake, or abandon us. They were stunned. Shaking their heads, wondering what was going on. Now then watch, the, watch this next verse. They didn't understand what he had done at the supper. None of this had penetrated their hearts. Now then look at this from the Christian Standard Version. They were completely astounded. It's the same verse. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. That is an absolutely astonishing verse. Number one, where's Mark coming from with this verse? But two, it's astounding because think about what these guys have seen. Think about what Jesus has done. He has healed people. Okay? Paralytics have been brought to him. And he has told them, get up, take your mat, go home. Okay? Demon-possessed people have been brought to him. And he has done spiritual warfare with them. He's cast out demons and restored people back to their normal state of being. Okay? He's been with them. They've, they've been with him when he fed 5,000 people. They saw him take, what, five loaves of bread and two fish and break it and pray and it multiplied and it fed 5,000, at least 5,000 and probably more people. They were told by Jesus, you've got my authority. Go out, you preach, you teach, you heal, you do everything I've been doing. They went out and did it. And yet, this tells us that when Jesus hops in the boat with them, they're astounded. They don't understand the loaves. And their hearts are hardened. It's amazing that after all they've seen Jesus do, all that they've done in Jesus' name, that they still don't understand who he is. And even more, how on earth do they become hard-hearted about it? And here's the next lesson that we learn from it. Miracles alone aren't enough to create faith. You see that? Miracles alone are not enough to create faith. Seeing a miracle does not equal faith. Okay, remember how many times we saw at the beginning of this book, as Jesus would heal somebody, what did he always tell them? Don't tell anybody. Don't say anything about this. Because number one, he didn't just want to be done, uh, known as a miracle worker. Okay? But two, for this reason right here, because miracles alone aren't enough to create 
faith. Yet people claim this all the time. If I just see it, then I will believe. Yet people saw Jesus do these things and still didn't believe. Okay? His apostles, who were doing the very same miracles, have a lapse of faith right here. And so what we have to remember as followers of Christ is that we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? Sight, here's the thing, sight is not faith. Faith is believing even though you don't see something. Okay? Seeing something is seeing something. Faith is trusting in Something that you may not see. Faith is believing without seeing. It's trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he would do. Now then, this is good news for us. You know why? Because how many times do we not believe? Right? That's, I love that's why, I mean, I love that stories like this are in the Bible. Because that means... That while these apostles are eventually going to get it together and they're going to do some great things in the book of Acts, in the book of Mark, they're about dumb as shrubs. Okay? And a lot of times that's how we are. We're like children. No, no, we're not like children. Children have way more faith. We're like adults who question everything. Okay? That's what we are. We don't have enough faith. But a story like this says, you know what? It's all right. The apostles struggle. They still, they eventually got it together, which means that it's all right that when we have a, a lapse in our faith, okay, we can still be used by God. Okay, we can still be redeemed. We can still be used. We see this. We see this in our own lives. And that's good. That's good news to us. Now, then the, the, the chapter ends. They make it across the sea. They get to uh, the, the Gennesaret region. Jesus goes and he does the same thing. He heals people. They hear that he's there. They come. You know, if he'll just touch the garments, whatever, shadow cross them, whatever, people will be healed. And it works. It happened. And then, the, and then the chapter ends. So now then, let's talk about our marks. Let's talk about Jesus' marks. Let's talk about how Jesus leaves a mark and how we leave a mark. And let's get into some question marks here. Here's a Jesus mark right here. Jesus reveals his identity to us in ways that we may not fully understand. But he also joins us in our struggles. In both ways, he wants to strengthen our faith and trust in him. Okay? That's what he's trying to do. He, wants, he wanted to do it in a revealing way, as God did in the Old Testament. But yet he, he's doing it in such a way to say, hey, look, you don't have to turn away from me. You can look at me. I am God and I am among you. But they missed it. They were too afraid. He had to get in the boat with them. Okay. Yet at the same time, he still reveals his power and his glory by joining them in the midst of their struggle. And it's all about strengthening faith and strengthening trust in Okay, that's what Jesus wants to do. So leaving our mark. What do we need to know? What do we need to do? Here's what we need to know right here. That Jesus left his 
mark, that should say his mark, by revealing his true identity and joining us in the midst of our struggles. Okay? That's how Jesus leaves his mark. Really, the fact that all of us are sitting here is evidence of that. Okay? So that's what we need to know. Please correct my grammar as you write your notes down. Second thing, we leave our mark by joining others in their struggles and helping them bear their burdens. Okay? That's the whole doing what Jesus did kind of thing. Does that make sense? Jesus uh, left his mark by joining us in our struggle. We, as the hands and feet of Jesus, as the song says, the word says, we leave our mark by doing that same thing, by joining others in, in, in their struggle. Question marks. Got five of them. Number one, when was a time when Jesus joined me in the midst of a struggle? I want you to spend some time reflecting on that. When did Jesus join you in the midst of, of a struggle? Question number two. When was a time a friend joined me in the midst of a struggle? Okay, now I can talk about that for the rest of forever. Okay? Um, I mean, my own life this year is evidence of that. But going back even further, in 2012... When, when, when I lost the second of my brothers, okay? You guys held me up when I couldn't preach, when I couldn't do anything. You stepped in and you struggled with me, okay? In, in March and April of this year, when my dad died, unexpectedly, you stepped in, you preached for me. You know, I was out of town for 17 of 21 days, okay? And you bore with me. Okay, that's how you do it. That's how you join somebody in the midst of their struggle. Okay, and that's what we have to do for one another. And I'll be eternally grateful for that because that's a gift I can't repay. Okay, I can't repay that. All I can do is try to join others in the midst of their struggle using the example that was used to me or given to me from all of you. So here's a couple more. Who do I know that is struggling with issues in their life? We all know somebody. We all know somebody that is dealing with something. How can I join them in their struggle? In what ways? I'm going to offer some real three or four practical ways in just a second. And then the last question, and this goes back to sort of the apostles. Are there things in my heart that Jesus needs to soften? That's, 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 a, that's the heavy question. Of all those. You know, what, in, what is in my heart that Jesus needs to soften up? You know, what am I being hard-hearted about? Am I refusing to believe? Am I refusing to trust him? What is it that, that he needs to work on in, in my life? Here's how you leave Jesus' marks. Number one, you be present. Okay? And you know what that is? That's joining somebody in the, in the struggle. Okay, here's the second one, and it's almost as big as the first one, and here it is right here. Don't offer unsolicited advice. Nobody likes unsolicited advice, okay? 
you know, we're, but man, we're good at it. Man, we're good at getting, let me tell you what you need to do. I'll tell you how to fix that problem. I'll tell you how to get over it. I'll tell you how to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, we're great at that. Don't give unsolicited advice. Nobody wants you around if you do that, by the way. If you haven't heard that, there it is from me. I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings, but that's true. Nobody wants unsolicited advice. Now, somebody asked you for it, great. But just don't hold court telling people what they need to do. Just be present. Okay, the whole book of Job is an example of that. Job loses everything, his friends show up, and for a week they kept their, they kept their mouth shut. But after that, they started talking. And everything went wrong. And God got on them. He's like, what on earth are you people doing down there? Stop talking. You don't even know what you're talking about. Okay? Just be present. Join somebody in their struggle. If they ask for advice, great. If they don't, don't say anything. Okay? Because it doesn't help. If you've been on the receiving end of that, you know. Okay? Third thing. Simple. Pray for them. Okay? Pray for them. Just let them know, hey, I'm here, I'm praying for you. And then here's the other thing, and this is a challenging one, okay? Because not everybody you know that is struggling, that you're trying to help, you're not going to be in agreement with. You might be in complete disagreement about what their struggle is over, okay? But here's what we have to do. We have to love them even if we don't agree with them, okay? You got a family member that's not living the right way, Love them. Even if you don't agree with them, still love them. You know why? Because I'm pretty sure I've done some stuff that Jesus did not agree with. And I'm absolutely sure that he still loved me through that. Right? So that's how you do it. That's how we, that's how we leave our, our Jesus marks. Okay? Jesus left his by joining us in our struggle. We leave ours by joining others in their struggle and bearing their burdens. And here's the way you do it right here. I'm sure there's a host of others, but that's four very practical ones right there. Okay? That's it. That's how we leave our mark. This is a, just a, a really kind of an odd little story that Mark puts in here, but there's some powerful life lessons in it, is there not? There's some really, really incredible stuff. So I want to challenge you to go out and leave those kind of marks.